Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, would you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5? Now, today we're going to see Paul is going to say how, how to approach the law as a Christian. Do we, do we, are we under the law, by the way, under those 613 statues? Are we under the Ten Commandments anymore? No. Because it says Jesus came, he said not to abolish the law, but Jesus came to fulfill it. And in fulfilling the law, he said, I give you guys a new commandment now. And his commandment, actually, I like it because it's really not new, but he says, this is my commandment, and, the, and he makes it a lot easier. His commandment was that we love one another, right? And it's not, if I love my neighbor and my ox does something to their ox, if I'm truly loving my neighbor, will I not want to do what's right? I don't need the book of Leviticus to tell me I have to take my ox and replace his ox and take the meat and share that, you know. I don't need the law to teach me to do the right thing for my neighbor if I'm doing the spirit of the law, which is love. And Paul, he saw that the Jews had crept into the church at Galatia and started trying to put a trip on these new Christians and trying to tell them, yeah, it's good you got Jesus and everything, but you know you got to keep all the Ten Commandments and you got to keep the Levitical law. And you, you know, you got to get circumcised because they were Gentiles. And you got to join our club. And I want to show you what Paul has to say to this church because they're, they're just rejoicing that God gave them the gift of salvation. That God gave them the gift of his Holy Spirit. And now some guys are coming along. Paul says they're actually troubling these poor new believers with a heavy weight. A weight that in another one of Paul's epistles, he says, we Jews, Paul was a Jew by the way, he says, we Jews can't even handle the yoke of the law. We don't even carry this burden well. Why are we putting the burden what we don't do on the poor Gentiles? As if, you know, hey guys, join us in our suffering or something, you know. Why do we do that? And Paul says, he's got, a, he's got an answer for these guys that do this. Now, just a quick question before I read you this chapter. Do people make up rules in churches to add to the, to the work what Jesus has done? You know, Maybe I'm just an anti-rule kind of guy, but I think if we're going to follow anybody, we should be following Jesus. And if we're going to do anybody's rules, we should do his. He said when that, that attorney came to him and tested him, what's the greatest statute in the law? And Jesus said, how does it read to you? He said, well, love the Lord with all your heart. He quotes there from the law. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the second... Love your what? Neighbor as yourself. And she said, good. You got it. Hit it on the head. Go and do so. And, and it says, and wishing to justify himself, he said, and who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus taught the parable of the good Samaritan who, you know, found that guy that was beaten and stripped and robbed and put him on his own beast of burden and took him to the inn and said, here, Take care of the man, and anything more it costs you when I get back, I'll, I'll pay for him. And, but the man who picked up the Jewish beat-up guy, he was a Samaritan. 
in this story. Now, Samaritans to the Jews. Jews were told they're not to marry outside of their race. So um, the Samaritans, if you're not familiar with where they came from, they're actually half Jews. When the Assyrians came in, I'm trying to think of what year it was. I, I know this, but it's it's do your homework. Just look it up. They the Assyrians came in, they they captured some of the northern tribes of Israel and they took the women, they killed the men, and they took the women and went into them to humiliate them as part of conquering them, and they got the the girls pregnant. Well, the offspring became that half-breed, you know, and it was an insult because this is these children are children of your enemy, yet they're born from your women. So it was really like a catch-22. You know, the Samaritans, they would have no dealings with the Jews if they were real devout. And Jesus, when he tells the parable, he says, and a Samaritan came along. Now, before that, he said, there was first a priest that came by and saw the man beat up by the robbers. And he just walked over this way like, can't, can't be bothered. I got to, and, and skipped going to see the guy, you know, and help him. And then a, a Levite, one of the guys born from the tribe of Levite, they saw him and they walked by. But then the third person who came, a Samaritan, one of the ones the Jews considered, oh, bad. He's the one who showed mercy. Now Jesus asked the attorney, which one of them proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among into the hands of the thieves. And he said, well, I guess the guy who showed mercy. Didn't want to say Samaritan, you know. Like, I can't even say that word. I'll just... It's like the Fonz try to say sorry, you know. He can't do it. And what was Jesus' response to him? And you go and do the same. You know, true Christianity isn't hard. We just have to show mercy. We receive mercy... We're supposed to give mercy. We receive grace. We're supposed to give grace. We receive the, the gift of everlasting life from, as a gift. Why are we going to turn it into something we charge for now? I mean, I've seen churches that are like charging. We can give you the secrets to get into heaven, but it's going to cost you. You got to buy our book or our CD packet, you know, on DVD for only $19.99. You can learn how to get salvation. <laughs> Call now. Yeah. Get two gifts, one for you and one for your friend. What kind of stuff is that? The gospel is free. And it should always be free. The Bible says freely we received, freely we what? We give. In the religious leaders of that day, and in certain ones, not everyone, but in certain ones, and for some reason they're still around today. I don't know. These guys replicated. And they just keep showing up. And we have to be careful. Because Galatians 5, chapter, uh, verse 1, reads this. It was for freedom that Christ did what? Set us free. He says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. He says, behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. He says, and I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep how much of the law? The whole thing. He says, you've been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law, and you've fallen from grace. Whenever you try to earn God's favor by works of the law, Paul says you're severed from, from Christ. 
You're breaking yourself away from the very Savior God sent. And you're trying to attain your own righteousness by your own performance. And I tell you, that's a danger. And in fact, in a lot of the cults we have today, they always emphasize some type of works that you have to do to get God's approval, his favor. When the truth is Christ did all the work that we ever need to be approved of God because Christ hung on the cross and his last words as he hung there, it is finished. I have paid the price. It's done. If anybody wants everlasting life, all they have to do is look to Jesus. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know, when Moses had to lift up the serpent in the wilderness, remember, the, the children of Israel started complaining and murmuring against poor Moses and Aaron. And they were like, meh, meh, meh. why does Moses get to be in charge? Why, why does Aaron get to be the priest? We don't like this. And then the Lord sent fiery serpents into the, the whole congregation of Israel there in the wilderness. And it says these serpents were pretty perceptive. Those serpents, the scripture says, they only bit only the people who grumbled and complained against. I love this. God goes, Moses, don't worry about this. I got this covered. I'm going to send in these really venomous snakes, and they're going to take care of the grumblers for you. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. Could you do that today? I mean, <laughs> please. Now, in God's grace, the people, when they started getting bit, of course, as soon as you get by those poisonous uh, vipers, you've only got a short, I mean short amount of time. They say sometimes 30 to 60 seconds till the venom is entering your system and beginning to paralyze your voluntary muscles. Your involuntary muscles are still working, your heart, your lungs and stuff, they're still going, but you can't move your arms or your legs. And you start to be paralyzed. And, and by the way, they're coming next. You know, they're going to they're gonna be paralyzed soon thereafter. But, but while you're in that frozen state, barely able to turn your head, the Lord goes, I'm going to, they, they started crying, Moses, Moses, ask God to take away the snakes. And the Lord said, Moses, I'm not taking away the snakes. I got a better idea. You go fashion a, a serpent out of bronze and put it on your staff. And anyone who gets bit by one of these fiery serpents, the Lord said all you had to do was look at the bronze serpent on top of whose staff? Moses. Oh, wait, we don't want him to be the leader anyway. And now I got to look at him? That's not fair. Couldn't someone else hold the stick? Nope. What was God saying to the Israelites? I pick my choose. I choose my my man. And and you don't get to say anything. And and not only that, I confer on him the power to deliver you from your punishment of your grumbling. But he didn't take away the snakes. He provided a way to not die from the bite. And if you come to befriend any of the Jewish people, you, you kind of find out they have this little bit of arrogance about them. A little bit of, um, I'm better than the rest of the world. I'm, I'm God's elect, the chosen. And not only that, but they're kind of stubborn. In fact, the, the prophet uh, Jeremiah, he said that they were stiff-necked. They just, they would not, I mean, I don't care what God says, I, 
there's Moses with the stick. I'm not looking. I don't care. I don't like him being the leader anyway. They die. God said, I'll take care of it, Moses. Lord, could I have a stick? And a, and a serpent? You know, I mean, and you take care of all the complainers because they still exist. They, they, they did. They, they bred. They multiplied. They came back. And they still go around churches. Your church is not conventional. You know, you don't do it the way we do it. Okay. I re you know, personally, I rejoice in the diversity of the body of Christ. Because there's different pastors that reach different people that I could never reach. And there are men that are called to pulpits. Like, my heart aches for the ones in the south. of the. I'm talking about the, the mainland, you know, in the southern Bible Belt, where it's really warm in the summers. And they actually have ex they have buildings, but with swamp cooling, no no AC, oh, and if they, some of them don't even have a, a swamp cooler, and the and the church is a little building is so hot inside, and you know what the expectation of the poor pastor is, he's got to wear a three piece suit, and you're just uncomfortable. I mean, and you can tell that they're I mean the guys are whipping their handkerchiefs out and wiping their foreheads and. And the Lord, and they know that they're going to die of heat exhaustion. My heart goes out for them. But there's this cultural expectation they have to wear that suit. They, I want to tell them, just get some Hawaiian attire. Wear what I wear, you'll be better. They would probably like that, but their congregation will revolt. And why is that? I mean, why do we come up with stuff like, does God look at what we wear? Is that, what he's, is that his concern, the outward? No. He's looking inward at the heart. And this is an inward issue. When men try to get God's approval by doing works of the law, instead of by receiving the gift that he's offering, they're just trying to say to God, God, I don't need you to do it for me. I'll help you out. Let me do it for you. And guys, it's impossible for us to fulfill the law. That's why he had to send his son. And we'd do much better to not try to attain our righteousness through works of the law, but rather just receive it as a gift. Now, Paul's going to continue talking to these guys about this in Galatians 5, and he's going to point out it really comes down to some really simple things. These simple things, he says, let, let me show you. He says in verse 4, you who were severed from Christ, you are seeking to be justified by the law. He says, you've fallen from grace. He says, for, for we, through the Spirit, by faith, are awaiting the hope of righteousness. This is what we're waiting for. For in Christ Jesus himself, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. It, it, it means nothing, he says, but rather faith working through love. Now he says, you were running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? He says, this persuasion did not come from him who calls. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He says, and I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Paul's, Paul's not naming who it was. He maybe didn't know, but he knew somebody was disturbing them with this teaching that they could attain righteousness through works of the law. And he says, whoever it is, I have confidence in the Lord that you will adopt 
no other view. You won't listen to this guy. And but but he says, I, I brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross would be abolished. Would that those who are troubling you, and this is how much he cared for these guys, would that they would even mutilate themselves. This is not a nice Greek word. It's the word we say mutilate is to cut themselves off down below the waist. You know, forget circumcision. We're just getting rid of everything. That's what he's saying. If you, if these men come and teach this stuff, would that they just be, what, what is the word in English? Castrated? Emasculated. Yeah. All right. Fix them. You know, sometimes the Bible's pretty graphic, isn't it? But does that get the point across that this is not acceptable? Don't be teaching extra stuff to the gospel. Don't add to the things what God didn't add. It's not right with him. He doesn't approve. And he uses strong language from his apostle Paul here to say, don't do this. The guy who's doing this, better that he mutilate himself than that he keeps pursuing this, this teaching to stumble people. Now Paul goes on and says in verse 13, for you guys, you were called to freedom. Brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is the whole freeing thing of the gospel. Is no longer do I have to live a life in bondage to my flesh. I'm freed. In Romans chapter 6, when we talk about baptism, we, we study how when you're baptized, you're joined to Jesus in two things. First, in the likeness of his death, and then in the likeness of his resurrection. And when you are resurrected with Christ, it says, consider, Paul says in Romans 6, use your mind to consider, I'm now risen with Christ. And just like sin has no power over Christ, sin no longer has power over you. That's freeing. Now, did he free us so we would go back and keep sinning? Oh, God forbid, he said in Romans 6, 1, right? What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace might abound or increase? He said, God forbid. May it never be. You were freed from sin so you could enjoy freedom. And it was for freedom that you've been set free. We need to not go back to those yokes of slavery. Those of you who have been Christians for a while, have you ever known a Christian who started, God freed them from a vice, and they were so rejoicing, man. I, you know, they maybe share their testimony with you, how they used to be in bondage to a certain sin, and God freed them. And they're rejoicing, and, and you follow their life for a few years, and then, I don't know what happens, but sometimes for a few folks, maybe five, ten years down the road, you, you hear that they're not going to church anymore. And yes, what happened? And what are they doing? Oh, they're back to drinking or they're back to whatever they did back in their old BC days, before Christ days. In their old days, they've just gone back to what they used to do. This letter would be great for them. Paul would say, it was for freedom Christ set you free. And verse 1 says, you are now to what? Stand firm. You're not to sit there and go, I'll go back to what I used to do. You were freed from that. You know, when, when God set the Israelites free from Egypt, he was, his intent was to take them into Canaan's land. 
across the wilderness of Zin, over across the Jordan and into the promised land. But when they left Egypt, the Lord wanted to make sure they didn't go back. So he parted the sea to get them out, right? What did he do after they crossed? You guys know because the Egyptians were riding in behind, right? And the enemies come in and whoosh, the waters close in. And he drowns the army of the Egyptians, of, of Pharaoh's army, in the Red Sea. He closes up, poof, they're dead. And as he delivered them and took away their enemy, he closed the way back. He closed the waters back up and said, we're not going back. Symbolically, it's a great picture for us to know when Christ delivered us from our bonds, whatever sin we were in, and he made a way to get us out of that hole that we were in. He says, you're just like Israel. I did everything for Israel for your example. Now, if he closed the way back for them, are we supposed to be taken away back? Are we supposed to go back to our sin? Did Christ just set us free so that we could go, yeah, man, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. In fact, I think I'll go sin. By the way, do you think there's people that have actually thought this? I know there is because they talk to me and they're like justifying it. It's okay, pastor. I'm free. Christ set me free. He did not set you free so you'd go back to bondage. You know, they were in the wilderness of Zin. They were crying, it was better back in Egypt. They wanted to go back. That wasn't what the Lord had for them. The Lord had a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. A, a land where they would have houses, what they didn't build to live in, trees to sit under, what they didn't plant, they could eat the fruit of. He was going to, he prepared a great thing for them, a blessing. But there is a weird part of our, our wiring that sometimes we're more comfortable with what we're familiar with we get uncomfortable with the newness. Oh, no, he's bringing me somewhere I've never been. It's a little scary. I think I want to go back. And I know guys will go back to their drug addict days, to the habit they once had. And they were doing really well. And you're like, what are you doing? It was for freedom Christ set them free. And there is a responsibility you have as a believer now. You are to stand firm and not be subject Look at verse 1 of Galatians 5. If you haven't highlighted this verse, please do. You are to not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Whatever sin you were in, that thing was your, was your fetters, your bonds, your yoke of slavery. That if, you were, if you were addicted to some drug, you were addicted to alcohol, you were addicted to pornography, whatever sin it is that had its hooks on you, when Christ sets you free from that, you're You're done. You don't have to go back to that. And even if it represents itself in your... What, has, does this happen, by the way, to new Christians, old Christians, in-betweeners? It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. The devil knows what you came out of. He doesn't have to be real creative with his ammunition. John tells us that the lusts of this world are the same ones. Lust of the eyes right? Lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. Well, guys, since we were called to freedom, verse 13 says, don't turn this freedom into an opportunity for your flesh. Instead, use your freedom to do something else. And this is the most positive thing I could end this sermon with today is that 
when it comes to what do you do with your freedom, what does it say? But through love, serve one another. You were set free from your sin so that through love, you could help serve others. You could make an impact on other people's lives. But you can't do it if you're in bondage to your sin. I know some Christians say, oh, it's okay, Pastor. I only do this once in a while. It doesn't really affect my service to God. I'm like, baloney. They, they don't understand how much it messes up their opportunities to serve others through love. Because they get consumed and they get into this trap of, well, I'm going to go to church and serve others, but I got to go take care of my pet sin. I'll be right back. Now, I'm not going to tell you which pet sins they do. You could fill in the blanks on that one. But they do this. They, they're like, uh, I, I, I meant to be at Bible study, but something came up. Oh, the old something came up. Were you busy serving someone else in love? No. What, 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 and this is what it's going to come down to. It just comes down to this. Well, what's the next verse say in verse 14? For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Verse 14, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.